You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For all things, for all things KC, KC, for everything Chiefs, it's always game, it's always game day in Kansas City. Now, here's your host, Kayla Kinnearum and Cody Tapp. Hey there, everybody, and welcome to the It's Always Game Day in Kansas City podcast. I am your host, Kayla Kinnearum. Joining me, as always, we've got my co-host, Cody Tapp, and our producer, Nick Schwart. Cody, I think the other day I put a D on the end of your name, by the way. I re-listened to it, and I definitely did. Sorry about that. Which, which like... Which E? Well, on the Cody or Tap, there's no there's no logical place to put a D in either of those names. I said like Tap Duh. Tapped. Cody Tapped. Tapped. That's 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 how we when we end. Maybe it was a T. A T? A D? In fairness, really the only things people ever do with my last name is the same thing everybody always does, which is like Happy Gilmore, and they talk about tapping it in, or they go tap water or tap dance. It's pretty (laughs) much the same. And you guys don't have fun (laughs) names for that at all. Can, well, yeah, or tap the keg or whatever, right? When depending on the age, Kinnearum and Schwartz, there is no play on words. Those are those are those are out. I, I don't know how you finagle either of those into nicknames. It's got to be Nick of Time or we're out. That's that's our whole podcast can only make, make puns <laughs> off of my name. All right. Well, and with that, guys, we are a few days removed from the Chiefs' loss. We are in better spirits today, so let's talk through it. Forty-eight hours later, how are we feeling? Um, I mean, I still don't feel good. I'll say this. I'm still definitively convinced that they are better than the Colts. How they lost to that team is still annoying, but I know how it happened. Like when it first happens, you're like, wait, how? None of this makes sense. But the special teams are the big reason why the offense came up short in those moments. And then I'm starting to realize that the NFL is going to be a little bit like this until it regulates it. Last year, we had these big conversations about how the NFL uh, was adjusting to Mahomes, but now they're doing it to everybody. That's why league-wide scoring is way down. It's at a 10-year low for the first three games. So, I don't know, it makes me a little more forgiving of the fact that they struggled on offense a little bit. And I can't get over the fact that the Chiefs struggle on offense a lot of times is 400 total yards, a chance to score 30, but only managed to get 17. So, I'm not as overly panicked about the offense as you were coming right out of that game, but I still think it's going to take them a little while to get up there. So I'm not I'm not worried that they lost to the Colts because I think if you played that game nine more times, the Chiefs probably win eight of them. They probably don't have as many self-inflicted mistakes with the special teams or the uh, whatever flag they called on Chris Jones that probably shouldn't have been called. I guess what I'm 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 cautious about some of the things that we saw in Indianapolis and what that would look like versus a better team. Like if you played that game versus the bucks, or if you played that game versus the bills or the Rams, what's the final score, right? It's probably not a game where the chiefs have a chance to at least uh, make a run at it with 18 seconds to go. It's probably not a, 
a game where a team had to score in the final two minutes of the game just to take the lead. The Chiefs are a better team than the Colts. You're right, Cody. But there's there's a few things that I sort of, I just want to monitor, right? There's a good cliche for you. Something to monitor moving forward <laughs> in terms of like, what would that look like against a real here's, team? I know, but here's like, the thing is like in the NFL, this happens all the time. Like Miami beat Buffalo. Miami let up like 400 yards passing to Josh Allen and like 600 yards total had a butt punt at the end to give a safety. Their quarterback was 13 of 18 for 186 yards. You're like, oh, they must have run the ball a lot. Their leading rusher had eight carries for 11 yards. The actual yardage leader had six carries for 21 yards. Like, they didn't run the ball well. They didn't pass the ball well. The only thing you would have to clean up to me, Nick, to, like, be in there sometimes is not screw up epically bad on the special teams. And honestly, I'm not even sure a special teams performance like that is I, I'm not even sure they're capable of being that bad again. That was not just bad. That was every single thing going wrong all at once. I I don't know. Anytime you get like you get past the Chiefs game and then you watch some other teams play and you're reminded that they're not quite that bad. Like if you watched any part of the Sunday or Monday night games, you're like, okay, yeah, that's bad offense. Got it. Noted. Um, the Chiefs struggled for a little bit against the Colts while moving the ball and didn't complete some of those drives. But I've seen bad offense in the NFL, and there's certainly not that. Okay, we're going to talk through everything that concerned us the other day and see how we're feeling now. Starting with special teams, guys, Matt Amendola got the boot, by the way. No pun intended. How do we feel about this? I mean, I don't know. I mean, they just they just signed the Jaguars cut kicker, so the same? No. Like, it's not like... Wrong. Why, it's the better? You feel better? Matt Amendola was the most ripped kicker in the NFL, and now he's <laughs> without a home. There, that that's unjust. Did you see some of the pictures that came out of him? I, by the way, shirtless, that is washboard abs. I'm, the Chiefs had the Chiefs had one of the most handsome kickers in the NFL, and they just kicked him to the curb after know, one bad I, game. Well, I know, but but they already have a handsome kicker. They're not worried about the handsome rankings of their <laughs> kicking crew, and. I, there are certain positions on the field that being that in shape actually concerns me. Like with kicker, now nah, I want you to almost look like you smoked a pack and are just like a little out of shape and out of breath just going out there. Or like lean to the point where it'd be like, you know, you'd look less gangly if you put a little weight on. We saw a couple pictures of Matt Amendola. I'm like, Jesus, dude, kick the ball some more. Lift a few less weights and we might have a different conversation about your, your part of the team. I think the only part that concerns me is Sky Moore. The only thing coming out of there is like, well, um, maybe she'll let someone else return kicks. But as a reminder, the two people who would return punts after Sky Moore on the team are McCall Hardman, who's hurt, and Trent McDuffie, who they had to do it in training camp, also hurt. So it's probably going to be Sky Moore. They're not going to just give that punt return job to somebody else right now. The two other guys they had in mind for the job aren't able to do the role. I think if you're making me pin one thing on the special teams that I'm worried about going forward, it's that. But eventually, Butker will come back. See, I, I actually... I agree with you, but like Butker will come back. I'm convinced that every team has a guy on it that worst comes to worst, just throw him back there. He can return punts for you all year. Like McCole Hardman can be your punt returner for the next 14 games and you won't have any issues. My concern is more with the kicker, actually, because first off, we have no signs whatsoever. Like Harrison Buck could be back this week. That'd be great. But he also has had an ankle injury that has kept him out for the better part of two and a half games. And for two of those against the Chargers and the Colts, like you kind of needed him. 
you kind of needed your starting kicker to be out You'd there. have won the game if you had Butker. Yep. It's the, the first time. It's the first time in my life where I was like, wow, kickers really actually matter in a Patrick <laughs> Mahomes-led Chiefs team. But it's so true. Like, we always see them as like, a, it's nice to have a kicker. It's not a huge thing. The last two games have made me appreciate Harrison Butker and I mean, appreciate kickers in general more than I ever thought I would. All right, moving right along to the offensive line. Well, Nate Taylor from The Athletic was on our show yesterday, and he said he thinks Orlando Brown Jr. is hurt, which honestly oh. would, which in a, well, he's been on the injury report with the knee, and he thinks that that's affecting his performance, which in a weird way would make me feel better because that's better than him just being bad at offensive line now, which is what he has been the last two games. If the knee is impacting his ability to guard the speed rush, then okay. Um, the bigger concern, I guess, is that they just they haven't really been on the same page. And for an offensive line that was together last year, I, I don't really know why that's happening. Um, I still have questions about why that's happening, but I thought that they were could be one of the best offensive lines in the NFL. And if it's just as simple as Orlando Brown Jr. gets right again and over a couple of weeks as a knee slowly heals, I guess it's like Above my concern for the special teams, but not probably what we'll get to in a minute, my concern for the wide receivers. I'm worried about it because they're not as strong of an offensive line as I thought. But despite that, guess who escapes it all the time? Mahomes. He is, this is a silly metric. I know people don't always dig into the big analytic stats. Nick will probably vouch that I get into him a little bit too much. He is the number one quarterback in the NFL at sack prevention right now. Nobody's better at preventing himself from getting sacked than Patrick Mahomes. So, as long as he's back there, I guess, you know, the offensive line can struggle a little bit and they can make it up for it. So the Orlando Brown Jr. stuff is interesting because for this season, he's not even close to my biggest concern. Any conversation around Orlando Brown is long-term, right? Because you go back yeah. to last offseason, you let Tyreek Hill go with the assumption that you're doing so because you're going to try and work out a long-term deal with Orlando Brown. So in terms of this year, unless he's an absolute liability, which I don't think he's going to be, my concerns don't really lie with him. It's more of what you said, which is I don't care if I have a star left tackle as long as I have a solid offensive line. And after the Super Bowl loss to the Bucs two years ago, that was sort of the offseason mantra, which is we are going to retool this offensive line. And for better parts of last year, we thought this was one of the top five to ten units in the league going into this year. We thought – Theoretically, this could be one of the top three offensive lines in the NFL. It has not even been close to that. It hasn't even been an above average offensive line. So it's more about this was your plan and it's not working out. Why is that? You're right. I got we, you, the three of us aren't going to sit here and break down the offensive line play and tell you exactly why they're not playing that well or if there's reason to be optimistic that they're going to get it figured out, all we can do is sort of watch and hope and talk to people that actually know what they're talking about when it comes to offensive lines. Speak but, for yourself, Nick. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> Kayla, floor's yours. <laughs> we don't have time today. Sorry. Okay. Tell us a little bit yeah. about hand technique in relation to interior <laughs> pass rush. By the way, those are just things I also don't know what any of that means. I just say that based on like what, that, that's one of my favorite things that happened. I'm sorry, least favorite, but favorite when it happens all the time is, one person today on Twitter posted a video where Clyde Edwards-Alaire, they thought, didn't cut back into a run gap. And then, like, 15 NFL offensive linemen were like, that was the offensive line's fault. He couldn't have cut back that way. They let way too much penetration. They did this, and you're like, okay, yep. 
everyone's an amateur film analyst and we should probably ignore most of those people. And even well, the two, odds of Lyman didn't always agree. So you're like, wait, none of us know. It's a mystery. Well, two things there, Cody. First off, you can make any player look bad or good by doing the little screen grabs of the all 22 film. I'm sorry. That doesn't make you a film expert. And the second off is without knowing anything about offensive line play, all we have to go off of for every team in the NFL is what they do, like what their blueprint is for success. And we know this about the Chiefs. We know this, that their blueprint right now is we got a $500 million quarterback. We have invested in the offensive line. We have the highest paid left guard in the league. We went out and traded a first round pick for a left tackle. We spent a second round pick on a center. They invested in the offensive line. And if you invest in something you expect to get return and through three games, it's a small sample size, but through three games, it's been less than advertised. And so that to me, like moving forward, I don't know how to evaluate it, but moving forward, like that is the thing I am going to have my eyes like keenly in tune to is, is this offensive line performing up to our expectations? Because if they're not, somebody else is going to have to pick up the slack. And maybe that's Patrick Mahomes and maybe that's a good bet, but that's still the reality for this Chiefs offense. Maybe it's our wide receivers, which brings me to my next topic. Um, if it's a concern ranking through the other two, it's it's worrisome. Mm-hmm. Um, for real worrisome. The other two are like, they'll get better. Because the offensive line, Nick, you know, it's they've been less than advertised, but they don't stink. They're not the worst offensive line in the NFL. They're not back there trying to get Joe Burrow or Justin Herbert killed. They're fine. They just haven't been as good as we thought that they were going to be. And with the special teams, I do think that the problem will eventually be solved when their all-pro their all-pro kicker shows back up. The wide receivers. If you had in any way convinced yourself that there was some glowing growth inside of it, because the whole thought was Tyreek Hill's gone. They'll get 80% or 70% of Tyreek Hill with Juju Smith-Schuster. And they'll be so much better, three, four, and five. You won't notice that 30% every day. But right now, three, four, and five are guys all pacing for 600. Two of them are pacing for like 400 and 600 yards receiving. And the other one is Sky Moore, and he doesn't exist. So they're not as deep as they thought they were, or they aren't as deep yet. Again, I mentioned Nate Taylor, the athletic earlier. This is prevalent to the conversation, but he said he'll think it'll be November before they involve Sky Moore. And if you're going to think, well, the Chiefs don't trust rookies, think again. Jeremy Macklin had 800 yards receiving for Andy Reid as a rookie. Um, McCall Hardman had 600 yards receiving. Right now, Sky Moore's on pace for like 140. So it's it's a bit concerning that they would be there. And, and you know, it's, it's not that it can't be there. I hope Sky Moore's role grows. Juju's been fine. Um, I don't have any big complaints about him, but MVS is the same guy we got in there. So it just, it, it I'm more concerned about them than anything else. Because again, it, it the offense feeling like the thing you got to fix is actually kind of a nice thing, isn't it? Doesn't that make us all feel good? Knowing that the defense has not been the problem child for the first time in how long? How long is it that we didn't start a podcast saying that the trouble <laughs> might've been on defense? It's been a long time. So I guess I'm more open to the idea that the offense can fix itself. You know who's not concerned, guys? This girl. The You're season, good? the season is young, and so are we. We're gonna be fine. You're just zero worries about. Okay, so if you had to choose one, though, <laughs> Kayla, if yes. it's wide receivers, if it's special teams, if it's offensive line, just just give me a quick one through three of most and least concerned. We understand that you're not very concerned, but 
What's the most concerning and the least concerning? Least concerned about special teams, especially once we get Bucker back. Um, mm, then we'll go wide receivers, then we'll go offensive line. I actually agree with that listing, Kayla. Okay. I'm like, Thank you, listen, Nick. we're aligned. Like, I think the wide receivers, this is a weird way of putting it, but like, I think the wide receivers are worse than I expected. But I also, if the other things fix themselves, like if the offensive line is top five in the league, won't matter, which maybe, maybe that's not the case. Yeah. yeah. You have the number one quarterback in the NFL. If you have a top five offensive line and a number one quarterback, wide receivers are going to get open eventually because they're, they're, they're going to have time. And if you give Patrick Mahomes enough time to read the field, he's going to find an open guy. Doesn't need four open guys. No. Just needs one. It's funny with three games, Nick, the way like, I mean, you're pointing out things like, because we, we, you know, like podcasting, we're doing three shows a week and it's early in the season. So it's easy to overreact. It's like, I don't know. I mean, if he hits MVS for that touchdown and Juju Smith-Schuster still finishes with 80 yards, it'd have been a little harder for us to probably come on this podcast and be like, the wide receivers stink. They can't get open, but I didn't see MVS open a bunch in that game, but that's not really his job. That, that part with MVS is um, expectation versus reality to me is big with any player is if you had some delusion that MVS was going to come into Kansas city and he was going to be an 850 yard wide receiver, even after he had clearly proven the type and level of wide receiver he was in green Bay, then you're probably mad with the production you've gotten. If you had realistic expectations that he was exactly the wide receiver you saw in Green Bay, then he's been fine. He's been as advertised. McColl's a little bit dinged up. Maybe that was part of the problem for why he's had a slow start. And we can all just hope that Sky Moore eventually becomes a part of the offense. Because right now, there are only four wide receivers deep. Because Justin Watson only has the one catch, too. Quick question for you guys before we move on. Obviously, when we were recording our Monday pod on Sunday, we were in the middle of that Chargers game. Did that beat down by the Jags make us feel a little bit better? Hell yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Hell yeah. And watching the Raiders lose? Ah, the Broncos should have lost too. That would have made it. That was painful. My gosh. I mean, seriously, the Bills lost. The Chargers lost. The only teams that in the AFC that you would feel good about coming out of Sunday are the Ravens and the Dolphins. And those are the two teams. The Ravens maybe are a step above the Dolphins just because they've been around for the last couple of years. But those are still two teams that are in kind of the prove it mode. Right. Those are the two teams that are kind of like, well, the Ravens, you had the one good year in 2020 and then you fell off in the playoffs last year. Injury riddled. We're still waiting to see it with the Dolphins. It's been three games. So the two teams you are most afraid of coming into the season, the Bills and the Chargers. Chargers are one and two. The Bills have had had just had a game against the Dolphins where we don't understand. We cannot understand how they lost. They also have a ton of injuries. The Bills. So do the Chargers. Well, guys, that's a great lead into the next question. Do any of us think we will think of Miami as the best team in the AFC when the season ends? No. Look, come on. <laughs> Look, it's not, it's, it's not that they're not talented. Have I ever walked out of an NFL season thinking a quarterback of the caliber of Tua Tungavaiola leads the best team in the NFL? No. That's disrespectful. No. That's so disrespectful. To who? To Tua. What do you mean to who? <laughs> Well, him and no one else. It's actually a compliment to all the other great quarterbacks that have existed <laughs> on the best teams forever. That's not how compliments work. <laughs> it can be this time. Look, it's just, 
The last go go through every year. It doesn't matter. Last year, the best team in the NFL, the Buffalo Bills. They had Josh Allen. He was second runner up for MVP. The year before that, it was the Chiefs. They had Patrick Mahomes. The year before that in the AFC, it was Lamar Jackson's Baltimore Ravens. In the year he won the MVP. It's more likely, Kayla, if you had asked me if we got to the end of the year, could I feel like the Ravens are the best team in the AFC? Yes. Because if you're watching what Lamar Jackson is doing, remember when he won that MVP and we're like, wow, that's a statistical stat line that won't come up again. Well, he's just averaging more yards per game passing, more yards rushing. He leads the mm-hmm. NFL in passing touchdowns, yards per attempt, rushing yards per attempt. So he's better. That's horrifying. And they're not nearly as hurt. The only thing that I would say is, do they have enough wide receiver weapons if teams start playing Lamar a little bit differently? But he's such a good athlete. He might be one of the few quarterbacks that just dropping everyone back in cover two doesn't impact. Miami's very good. They've got one of the most talented rosters in the NFL. Nick, I can't. Like, at the end of the AFC, there's just no way I'm going to think they're the number one team in the AFC if two is their quarterback. I'm not saying it's wrong, but (laughs) over the last five years of the NFL, we as Chiefs fans have sort of developed this resistance to admitting that any other team is good until they prove it without a doubt. Like we were doubting the bills last year at this time. We were probably said, Oh, let's see it in the playoffs. Josh Allen. Well, guess what? (laughs) Josh Allen was perfect in the playoffs. So now we finally can admit the bills are one of those teams. I've been willing to admit that Justin Herbert's really hasn't been to a Super Bowl. Their team hasn't done jack shit. I'm willing to admit it with Herbert. His talent's just so talent. His talent's so good. It's like if I ignored it, I'd kind of be it. Uh, I'd kind of be an asshole, wouldn't I? He'd be like, Cody, no one believes you. We all can watch Justin Herbert play football. <laughs> yeah, but like in back-to-back weeks, the Dolphins. Yeah. Let me let me just go ahead and I'm going to list off the teams they've beaten. Let me see if these are relevant to you. Let me see if these are teams that you have mentioned in the last. 120 seconds. seconds. <laughs> uh, the Baltimore Ravens and the Buffalo Bills. Those are yeah, the teams the yeah. Dolphins have yeah. beaten the last two mm-hmm. weeks. Mm-hmm. But, to okay, to that point, I'm looking at their schedule. I see at least five games that they could fall to. Well, they'll probably lose one that they shouldn't. Here's You know what? You know, here's a conversation we haven't had with Miami yet that could change my that the, the only thing that could change my mind. Of all the teams we talked about, McDermott, um, but you can throw Cincinnati in there depending on if they were to beat Miami for Thursday night football, um, the Chiefs, the Bills, all these teams we've talked about, um, the Ravens. I believe in John Harbaugh. That's part of the reason I'm with the Ravens. I don't have enough evidence in Mike McDaniel, but I'll tell you this. He looks smart. He looks like he knows what he's doing. Wait, you mean like <laughs> no, you mean like just, aesthetically because no, he wears no, glasses? I'm just, and I'm just saying the way he has operated his team – he that game when you said how did they beat the Bills it doesn't make any sense that was a Bill Bel- Bill Belichickian way to win a game you're like nothing adds up um, th- this doesn't track no one you shouldn't win this game there's way too many yards on one side you didn't have enough it doesn't make sense and his team won and the week before that they were way behind and they won that one too so they're getting themselves in some hot water a little bit but good coaching will get you out of that. Bad coaching won't. You just lose the game. It doesn't matter. You can get close or come back or whatever, but you'll just lose because you're a bad team that is poorly coached. Um, okay. But it's still let hard me, to imagine. Let me ask you guys something then, because Cody, you just said you're only in Tonga Vailoa, which is, I think you are going off aesthetics. You're like, he's a left-handed quarterback. He's kind of short. He's kind of small. I don't believe in that. If Trevor Lawrence were quarterbacking the Miami Dolphins, would you be buying into them right now? 
Come on, man. So once in a generation quarterback prospect, oh, probably. Oh, oh. Hey, in okay. fairness, hey, in fairness, this isn't like an old bias. I said coming out of college, I really liked the pick of Tua for Miami because I thought he was one of the most accurate college quarterbacks I could ever remember watching. I was like, boy, it could just be Drew Brees, right? Show up, be accurate, run a really well. And that's kind of what it feels like he's doing in Mike McDaniel's office. Offense, right? Just, hey, throw, throw it to the right guy, and they're super fast and talented. They'll get it there. I just, I don't know. Kayla, which team, I mean, like, when we're loading through these things, it's just hard to imagine, like, those teams. I still think it's Chiefs and Bills. Right there with you. But just to be clear, Cody, you are anti-Tua, and Nick, you are team Tua. I'm team everybody, Kayla. I'm team Tua. I'm team Trevor. I'm team Herbert Allen Mahomes. I'm about uplifting people. Guy just likes greatness. All right, say something nice about Daniel Jones before. Just anything. Anything nice at all. He's big. He's... He's that's larger not, than most NFL that's quarterbacks. Not a, if anything, that's an insult. It's, it's not, a statement of it's a statement of fact, is what it is. That he's just a big person. Yes, Caleb. Somebody helpful. said you're a big person. Does that sound like a compliment to you? Well, I'm a girl, so no. <laughs> you're an NFL quarterback. It's a tremendous compliment. That's right? Not, yeah. Like, Rock Osweiler was a big person. That wasn't a compliment to his football playing ability. It's just a comment that they're big. Yeah, but I mean, you, he's got get off the bus size. You know, he gets off the bus. You say, oh, what's that guy's story? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> All right. We're going to move on now. Uh, guys, Chiefs are currently fifth in the NFL in sacks per game with a total of 10. Will this last? For reference, the last five years, the ranks have gone as follows. In 2021, we've been 30th. 2020, 19th. 2019, Super Bowl season 11th. 2018, 4th. 2017, 24th. If history tells us anything, if they are 10 or better, this is a Super Bowl bound team. Because Yeah, I, important because of that, that the year where they were 11th and won the Super Bowl, they were like 22nd for a long time and then found a pass rush and won a Super Bowl. It honestly, it seems incredibly sustainable. This feels like we've been a little bit negative, but this seems this seems very sustainable for them. Which one of their guys are you're like, well, he's playing way above his means. Karloftis has zero sacks. Frank Clark has one. Chris Jones has a couple. That would make sense based on his. The only guy you can make the argument for is Dunlap has two and three games and he probably won't finish with 12, but you would assume those get made up with somebody else. This is a sustainable number. This would, this would have them finishing 20 sacks higher than they were last season. That is a huge increase. I, I mean, I don't know if it's as simple as finish in the top 10, go to the Super Bowl, but with Patrick Mahomes, it might be. To me, it's like when I think about having an elite defense, I do think about having an elite pass rush, right? If you have a great defense, you either have one of two things. You force a ton of turnovers or you get to the quarterback a lot. Well, they don't do the first thing. <laughs> no, but if you're going to have an elite pass rush, we always like to think about like everybody's chipping in, everybody's helping, but Historically speaking, you need to have one dominant player. Chris Jones has looked pretty damn dominant to start this season. It's three games, uh, but he is in a sort of hypothetical contract year. I know he's not actually a free agent after this season, but the Chiefs could save a lot of money by either cutting him or restructuring him. This is a guy who seems like, I mean, in terms of age, in terms of play, he is in the prime of his career. And I know that we sort of think about that flag on Sunday against the Colts and that side of sort of shines over the game. I don't want that to cloud the fact that Chris Jones has looked unbelievable, like the best, like as good as he's ever looked to start this season. So let's just start right there. 
It turns out being healthy and being in the correct position can go a long <laughs> way. Because this time last year, we were we were frustrated with Chris Jones. Or at the very least, we were frustrated with him trying him at the outside pass rush spot because it wasn't working. Like, I don't think that they would have been way higher on the... They just didn't have another guy. I will always argue that if you're not going to have two 10-sack guys, which is how, Nick, you get to the thing you said, elite, dominant defense. If you're not going to have that, then you need a bunch of... You need like three five-sack guys or two seven-sack guys. And Kayla, I don't... Like, you, you gave through all those years... If you go even further back in the Andy Reid time, the only time they rank like top five in sacks is when they had Tom Bahali and Justin Houston. They have Chris Jones. He's a double-digit sack guy. Dunlap is close to that. Okay, so he's not quite a double-digit. Well, Karloftis is better than the second. Karloftis is better than their second-best pass rusher last year. And Dunlap is still ahead of him. And Clark, their second-best pass rusher last year, is now their fourth. That feels like that. That feels like real improvement. I Like when I watch them play Kayla I don't know if you're a Big Mac for sack guy uh, I don't think that applies to you in LA I don't think they'll give you the Big Mac for sack in LA that oh, might be man. an Aaron Don- in fairness that might be an Aaron Donald thing in which case you I must love McDonald's all the time you do my, fav- my yeah. favorite uh my favorite tweet I saw on Sunday was uh somebody had the picture of Chris Jones standing over <laughs> Matt Ryan and just said quote free Big Macs <laughs> As if that's what he got flagged for. The ref was like, enough is enough. <laughs> you've you've pitched those Big Macs enough. Is a Big Mac what you go to, Kayla? What's on the menu? Um, guys, I'm a big fast food gal. I try to limit it. I, I get Shake Shack every Sunday. Ooh. Shake Shack's uh, a McDonald's, good one to go McDonald's my go-to is like a double cheeseburger ketchup only. Okay. I actually am at it in a really long time, but are you a are you a picky eater? This, no. this ketchup only conversation concerned me a little bit. No, I'm a well, ketchup but, only on cheeseburgers person. They go a little well. too heavy on the little diced onions. And I don't like the diced lettuce either. Give me leaf lettuce or no lettuce at all. I'll say this. Lettuce at any fast food place. Risky proposition. <laughs> really? Yes. <laughs> always. It's never. A, it's those and tomatoes. They never have. The, like I'll eat. I'll eat tomato on a burger if it's made at someone's house or at a nice restaurant. But fast food wise. No. I don't know how long that thing's been sitting there. It's never the right texture. It's mushier than it needs to be. It's a poor quality. Fast food tomatoes stink. I'm not, I'm not anti-tomato. I'm just anti it in that situation. So you're not a picky eater? I was worried. No, I'm not at all. There's only I don't think I've I ever really had... Don't eat, but. I don't think I've ever had a Big Mac, guys. Let's have... Next show, let's have you no. eat a Big Mac. No. And give us your... Give us your um, dude, dude, I won't. I oh, won't do are it. You, are you health? Are you super healthy? No, but like <laughs> I like I just don't think I could do that. Why? Is it the bread to meat ratio or is it just the <laughs> idea of consuming? Like it? whenever I see a picture or a commercial of a Big Mac, at no point have I ever been like, mmm, mmm, yummy. But it has the that Thousand Island good. sauce on it. <laughs> yeah, but I'll just go get a patty melt. You know what I mean? Oh, I don't want a patty melt too. Okay, see that now you've piqued my interest. A little rye Are we bread. talking steak and shake? Where's the Frisco, Frisco melt? 100% oh, yeah. all day. Big Mac? Absolutely not. I won't do it. If I'm I lose with- a bet, we can make a bet at some point this year. It's going to be a long season. I'll probably say something bold. And then you guys can say like, okay, you want to bet a Big Mac on it? That's the only way you're getting me to eat a Big Mac. I got to lose a bet. Okay. No, I like no, the no. idea of forcing I like the idea of forcing him to eat this Big Mac that he Yeah, we want your review deal. live on the podcast. <laughs> You know, I guess one. 
The important part is to get it probably as fresh as possible. I don't think you'd be like, hey, guys, we're going to start about 30 minutes. I just picked up that Big Mac. I feel like there's just almost no way for it to succeed under those circumstances. Okay. Something we can all agree on is McDonald's has the best fries. Yes. 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 Absolutely. Deal. We're going to get this train back on the tracks. The Colts only blitzed Mahomes twice. Should we expect more teams to do this versus the Chiefs moving forward? As in not blitz him? Yeah. Um, I'm going to miss that Cardinals game. You know, I look back on it fondly thinking, wasn't that nice when a team stepped onto an NFL field, forgot that you don't blitz Patrick Mahomes and tried to do it 50% of the time? I don't think a team's going to blitz the Chiefs for next month. If Gus Bradley, someone we openly mocked on this podcast last week, won't do it, then no one is. And I, you can look at whatever you want. The Tampa Bay Bucks actually should probably blitz. They have the sixth highest blitz percentage in the NFL right now. So they do blitz. So if they don't do it, who's going to? Like, honestly, who's going to? If the team who blitzes in the near the top five in the NFL right now won't blitz Kansas City, who will? The entire NFL is leaning towards this. It's it's ludicrous. It's the same thing as last year. Until Mahomes proves he can beat a defense that isn't blitzing, like consistently, right? He obviously can do it. But until he does it consistently, he's three, four weeks into this, and he's just torching you guys because you never send anybody, then I think that's probably the that's the model for the Chiefs for the next month would be my guess from pretty much every opposing defense. You know, I I don't think it matters for this game on Monday because the Bucks probably have the number one defense in the NFL. So I don't really care what Todd Bowles dials up. I think they're probably going to... Like, just, I know we'll get more into the game on our Friday episode. Don't it's think gonna be this a slog. is, I don't think this is the game where the Chiefs offense comes alive and Patrick Mahomes throws for five touchdowns. The Bucks have one of the most talented defenses in the NFL. This is going to be another test. But it, that's it, almost it, what concerns me because the Colts were not that. I think that you go back to that game with the Chiefs inability to run the ball and running it so unsuccessfully, especially on early down situations, I want to see Andy Reid, Eric Bieniemy dial up a game plan that actually forces defenses to do something uncomfortable, which they didn't do in Indianapolis. You know, in a weird way, it would just, it could completely reverse. Like they're bad against the Colts and off like, you guys stink. They go out and like score like five touchdowns against the Bucks. I'm like, the hell are you? <laughs> what the hell's going on here? You're like, you, you, you're laying eggs against the Colts. The, the Buccaneers are coming in allowing nine points a game and you're dropping 30 on them. None of this makes any sense. <laughs> what are you? Inconsistent That's- would probably be the answer. You know, the Bills were like that on offense last year. They were one of the best scoring offenses in the NFL. And they had those weeks right after they lost to the Jags where it's like, we scored six. We scored 57. We scored 13. We scored 49. You're like, that doesn't make sense. Why don't you just always score 30 that would somehow be better you know what i think the solution is just pass the ball on every play just give up on the run clyde yes. had zero yards rushing last week so the chiefs picked up one first down with their running backs that seems impossible i haven't crunched the numbers on it but i'd imagine that's lower than the average nfl game kayla i think pass I it know. on every play I think I already know how Nick feels about this, so I'm kind of curious. Because I feel like anytime losses happen, people start the, you know, let's just bring in Odell Beckham Jr. Or the one that's been going on right now is 
Let's bench Isaiah Pacheco. Forget whatever we thought about him. It's Ronald Jones' turn. He's the guy who will get the yard. Are you like, because you've been the most positive easily this whole time. Would you just be like, you know what? Yeah, Ronald Jones time. Because like, I I don't want to do that. Pacheco's the better back. I'm not ready to quit Pacheco yet. No, he was one of the ones I think I said at the beginning of the season or yeah, the season that I thought was going to have a breakout year. So I can't back out on him now. I'm not going to not going to quit him. But this does beg the question, guys. That we're probably going to ask ourselves all season, let's be honest. Is it okay for us to admit that the Chiefs miss having Tyree Kill on the roster? Uh, Denial's pretty ugly. If you're, <laughs> I'm, I'm, Nick, do you want to? This is a safe place. Yeah, I'll take this. Um, I, I think I said this on the Sunday episode or the Monday episode. Yeah. I miss Tyreek. I'm not <laughs> afraid to admit it. Can you put some like sad music here? Yeah, when you're I want to get back together. I want to get back together. This Aww. is like a month after the breakup. And, you know, you, you send the that, X. You send that 1 a.m. text. You know, you up? That's what I'm saying. I'm sending the, the you up text to Tyreek Hill right now because I want to be the team with the fastest receiver in the NFL. That was fun. Don't you guys remember? You guys remember those days? Like it was last season. Weren't they fun? Wasn't it fun <laughs> yeah, they having were. the fastest guy to ever play the sport? Did it help that he only had two receptions for 33 yards last weekend? Because I'm now find myself constantly looking at his stats. No, because no, he's then I think I think he would have had seven. He's wasting his he talent on the Dolphins. <laughs> exactly. He is still on pace despite those 35 yards for 1,700 yards <laughs> and 12 touchdowns. So it doesn't make me feel great. What's uh, the pr- so, Kayla? I haven't been single. This is get to know each other time a little bit. Oh boy. I haven't been single in a very, <laughs> a very long time. Forever, right? I've known my wife since we were in middle school. We haven't been together what? that long, but That's I've known so my cute. wife that long. We've been together since, you know, for 20 years almost. Not quite, but we're getting there. Oh. Um, what's the so if this is anything like a breakup, how long are we talking about like where me watching Tyreek highlights is like Desperately looking at your ex Instagram page. What's the normal amount of time we can expect that to wash away? <laughs> you might be asking the wrong person here. I don't get over things easily. So <laughs> what's what's your normal breakup protocol? What's the amount of time you would say you feel pretty good about? I'm going to stop stalking their page. Oh, my gosh. Well, when personal, they Taylor. when they aren't. Yeah, this is I mean, my parents listen to this Um, when they. Treat you poorly, it makes it easier to get over them, right? When Tyreek was trying to do that in the offseason, right? He so was that made these it, bad yes. things about us. Yes, that helped because I was like, ooh, why are you bashing the people who built you? I don't know. I guess it's going to depend on how the Dolphins finish out the season. If they do very well, I'm going to be really angry for a long time. I mean, if you break up and then they're dating a supermodel and they got a big job worth hundreds of that, you're like a, a big promotion. You're like, well, this sucks. But no, it's just like, uh, he said bad things, but it's just like, I know a promotion. It's not a promotion to go from Patrick Mahomes to Tua. No. But he's on one of the two only undefeated teams in the NFL, and he's pacing for a gajillion yards and a million touchdowns. I'm sure at some point the honeymoon phase will fade a little bit. But yeah, it's not easy to watch Tyreek do that. All right. To close things out today, obviously the weather is a huge question mark this weekend as we head to Tampa. If weather impacts this game, guys, will it impact the outcome? Before you answer, here's what we know so far. The Bucks moved their practices to the Dolphins facility today um, in Miami. If the game, though, isn't played in Tampa, 
Where will it be played, you ask? Well, according to ESPN and league sources, it likely won't be in Miami, despite the fact that Dolphins do play Thursday night in Cincy, just because the NFL doesn't want to risk taking up state resources, they said, if in Miami, if those resources would be better utilized, obviously in Tampa. If the game is moved, the rumor has it, it'll likely be at a neutral site somewhere in the Midwest, like Minnesota. Um, obviously, we don't know how bad the damage is going to be in Tampa. It looks like it is going to bypass Tampa at this point. Um but how do we think this will impact the out, the outcome of the game? I mean, if it's going to miss Tampa, which it looks like it is, my guess is the NFL likes money and it will put people there because they were like, well, let's wait to see how bad it, you know, hurts the city before we decide there's no football game. Turns out when you got billions of dollars on the line to handle this. But if it goes to a neutral site, that's a several point swing. I mean, if you take an NFL team and displace them for their entire week of practice and then send them to Minnesota and Kansas City doesn't have to play a true road game. Matter of fact, it'd probably feel more like a home game for them because they would yeah. only be, what, six hours? You drive fast, five and a half to Minneapolis? <laughs> I mean, I, I do think it would make an impact. But at this point, it's starting to feel like that game's going to end up in Tampa. But they're still going to be displaced in Miami for a week. And with Tom Brady already having this weird schedule and stuff, it doesn't feel like it's going to have no impact on the game. Yeah, I think it, imp- it, I think it impacts the Bucks negatively more than it impacts the chiefs positively the chiefs were already planning on going on a road game like these football players and coaches are creatures of habit mm-hmm. the chiefs were already planning on hitting the road going to an unfamiliar i say that with quotation marks environment whereas the bucks were preparing for a home game and you go through the procedures of a home game you you know it, it you're sort of in a routine of what you do each day throughout the week now all of a sudden you have to get on a plane and fly. I don't know what it is from Tampa to Minnesota, but I would imagine that's five out four or five hours. Like that's not your routine. And now you have to go, you have to change your practice schedule. That to me, like that, that's what I would look more at with a team that is dealing with a ton of injuries who now has to completely alter their weekly schedule versus the chiefs, which are basically just going to be changing their destination. I'll be the one to ask this. This can't be an arrowhead because this would then favor the Chiefs too much or just give them an extra home game or what's... Uh, Yeah, they don't want to give their team they're playing against a home game. But all in fairness, this bullshit. They got to play a home Super Bowl. They ought to just give this one up. Thank you. This is what we get in return. They got to just play a game at home for the Super Bowl? Excellent point. Just give us this one. That seems fair. It's a regular season game, you know, but it's just, you know, it is teams don't want to give up home field advantage when they have actual Super Bowl aspirations, whether I think those are ridiculous at the moment or not, because I'm not convinced the Bucs are a good football team. Not saying they have 0% chance to win on Sunday, which we'll talk about on the Friday episode, but I don't think they're all that good. (laughs) I just, uh, you know, they just, they're going to always choose neutral site, Nick, you know that. Yes, we will obviously know more about this on Friday, which is when we we will be back with you next. So this is the Always Game Day in Kansas City podcast. I'm Kayla Canaram. That is Cody Tapp. He is Nick Schwartz, and we will be back with you guys on Friday. Have a good one.